Chicago is more than great food, iconic sports, legendary music, and crooked politicians. It's a community of people who, at their core, care about one another and their city. We're chatting with new and native Chicagoans about all things local on The Chicagoan Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Chicagoan Podcast. This is Stephanie Welter with Keller Williams Success Realty. I'm joined today by Dan Butterworth, Vice President of Member Experience at First Financial Credit Union. He's a Northwest Sider through and through from Chicago, and really happy to have him. Thanks for coming, Dan. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. I'm really excited. One of the main reasons I brought you here today is, you know, I've hosted a few times before, and I've mentioned that I'm from Jefferson Park, and all of a sudden, a few months ago, maybe a year ago, I noticed this amazing new Facebook group called The Northwest Side is Open for Business. And full disclosure for people listening, I knew you before from Pool League. We played at City Pool Hall. And I'm looking at this thing, and the admin is Dan Butters. So Dan Buttersworth, I'm like, this guy is running the Facebook group. So I want to start with, you know, what was your motivation behind creating this amazing group? You know, so like you said, it started about a year ago, uh, probably actually a little bit more now. Um, started at the kind of the onset of the pandemic. So, uh, you know, everybody was uh, sheltered in place, locked up uh, at home, on your phones more. I, you know, I noticed um, was always on social media and noticed that the uh, the conversations just weren't all that pleasant, I, you know, given what was going on at the time, they wouldn't be. Um, but I found myself kind of gravitating, and probably most people did, towards a lot of that negative kind of scare tactic type uh, content. And I said, hey, look, you know, there's a lot of things going around um, on the Northwest side that are good, and we need to spend some time talking about those. And small businesses are one of the things I've always been close to. Uh, my entire professional career, I've been in banking, uh, most of that supporting small businesses and small business owners. Um, so I, you know, just had the sense that at that point, um, we needed to hyper-focus. Uh, you know, businesses were going through restrictions. Their hours were changing. How they serviced their customers were changing. The last thing that they could sit down and, you know, think about was a marketing strategy or a marketing plan. Sure. Um, you know, I've been in marketing for about eight years now uh, my professional career. And, you know, I thought it was just a very easy way for me to open up a conversation, try to bring some awareness to some of the good things that are going on in our businesses on the Northwest side. Um, mm -hmm. I think we've got incredible diversity. There's, you know, you can go down one block and get a Crocus ham sandwich, a mm -hmm. Hiberito, or pretty much anything in between. Um, we've got really great business owners that many of them are our neighbors. And I think that's what makes the Northwest side unique too, is that, um, you know, the business owners, they're they're our neighbors, they're in our schools, um, they're, you know, on our streets and in our parks. And so supporting them isn't just, you know, supporting a, a large organization. It's it's putting dollars back into the hands of those people in our economy who need it the most. Amen. And I think one of the struggles that our neighborhood in particular has seen is that there's kind of a, you know, there's two sides to it. And some people are very anti-density and others are pro, you know, hey, you know, let's get the condos going. Other people are like, well, what about my parking spot? Where do you fall in that? So, you know, I think um, I, I don't really fit in a lot of conversations or circles because I think generally in the middle is probably the right place to fall in a I lot of things. I always fall in the middle. I'm um, with you there. And so I make a lot of enemies because, you know, I always try to look at each individual uh, scenario or case and just look at the merits of it, really. And I think, quite frankly, uh, the city as 
people uh, as the way that they like to live changes. I think the pandemic has, you know, changed how people even think about, you know, the four walls they live within. Um, we're starting to see a migration towards the northwest side. There's a little bit more space. Uh, so I think you need that density to support the small businesses, Exactly. but it has to be balanced. It has to be measured and it has to be done in the right way. And I think we've got, um, you know, Department of Planning and Development and some great uh, civil engineers that are leading on that front. Um, so I'm, I'm encouraged. The Northwest side, Six Corners in particular, is going through a, a huge revitalization. Love uh, it. A lot of development going on there. I mean, I think it, that's something that's done in a way that isn't really going to impact, uh, you know, a lot of uh, commuters' everyday lives. Irving, Milwaukee, and Cicero has been a really tough uh, intersection as long as I can remember. So, you know, if it means we're putting more people to work building these buildings than more people to work actually um, in the buildings, and then we're creating some more, uh, you know, density and giving more people uh, places to live on the northwest side to, you know, drink it in and enjoy all the things we enjoy. I think it's a win-win. I'm with you there. And I've, you know, I grew up in, you know, Gunnison and Malvina. I went to St. Robert's. Um, So I was there when it was kind of just like a dead zone, like just residential, which is fine. That's what it's known for. It's, you know, all cops and firefighters. And, you know, that's where if you work in the city, but you want to live in the suburbs, you come to the northwest side. But having been there and seeing the the changes that, it, you know, I always say it's creeping up Milwaukee. So all of a sudden you're seeing like, oh, my gosh, Community Tavern. When they came in, it was like I couldn't believe that we had a restaurant like that. Because I would always have to go into the city for that. And, you know, yes, Jefferson Park is the city, but you know what I'm saying? Like you'd have to get on, you know, the train or hop on 90 in order to get good food. It's not like that anymore. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I think there's this connotation or, you know, maybe a myth that the Northwest Side doesn't have the same level of, you know, prestige or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to have a nice dining establishment to go sit down and, you know, have a, a great quality meal, crafted cocktail. Mm-hmm. It's not something you've got to go to Lincoln Park or, you know, downtown to do. And I think as uh, more and more people are opening their eyes to that, I think that's only going to spur more development, right? Like we're continuing to see new uh, new bars and taverns opening, uh, Moonfly. Flowers, the one that has opened Ooh, most recently. I at, haven't been there. Where's that? So it's at Ma- uh, Milwaukee and Montrose. So it okay. is a uh, craft cocktail bar. Um, they've actually partnered with a, a local business called Sunnyside Plants. Oh, I love uh, Sunnyside Plants. Yeah, so Sunnyside is great. I, I actually haven't made it there yet, but I was uh, scoping out some pictures of the, the grand opening, and it looks beautiful. I've mm-hmm. had a few friends the that have stopped The old martial arts in. area. Yeah, so the um, this specific uh, bar is at the, uh, the old... Hops that, and barley. So it was oh, the old okay. hops and barley. So I didn't know hops it. and barley was gone. Yeah. So the, it's the old hops and okay. barley. They brought in some uh, some new owners. They've got some fresh cocktail ideas. I can't wait to check it out. I haven't mm. got to yet. I'm We're gonna have kind to of go embarrassed there. that I'm on here talking about yeah. it. I haven't. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, check it out. That's great. So I'm gonna just rapid fire a few of my favorite places and then cap it with like if I were to pick one, you know, perfect date night in Jefferson Park, and then I want you to do the same because. Let's get the names of these businesses out there because I think that's what this is all about. It's about community. You know, this this podcast, you know, being a realtor to me, this is my way of giving back to the communities that I serve. And I do a lot of my work in Jefferson Park because that's where my friends and family are. So the Northwest Side is open for business, I think is fantastic. So, I mean, the biggest thing that you always have on your thing is, you know, what's the best pizza ever? <laughs> so I come from an, an era of when Roselli's was open. So that's been gone for, gosh, probably like embarrassingly long, like 30 years. But we're a Joe's pizza family. So I'm just going to throw that out there. 
So Joe's is great. Uh, you know, to probably make a lot of enemies saying this. There's a lot of great pizza on the northwest side. My absolute favorite, hands down, is Trattoria Peretta. Oh, they're so good. I tell everybody the sweet fire. Uh, the pizza is out of this world. It's they're, you know, there's stuffed artichoke. I have not had that. Oh, um, dude. <laughs> so this pizza, it's cracker, you know, cracker thin, uh, thin crust, perfectly done pepperoni, jalapenos, and then a drizzle of hot honey. It is Ooh, like I've anything you've ever had. I've actually not had that, and I love Paretta's. It is fantastic. Everybody I talk to, I tell them to definitely try that. That's got to be one of my favorite pizzas, but uh, okay. there's a lot of great pizza There's Jeff Park. Pizza on Manchos is yep. good. Pete's, uh, um, Dino's a little further down, mm-hmm. Higgins, uh, Frank's on Belmont. I haven't uh, been to Frank's. Frank's is Frank's good. shrimp is uh, over there. Frank's shrimp is very good, yep. Um, so yeah, for, for restaurants, I mean, obviously Gale Street Inn, it's an instant it's been there forever. I used to live um, in the condos. Our parking lot would connect, so I was right on Higgins. And you'd get off the train, and I would just have to walk across the parking lot. And I don't think I made it across, you know, seven days straight ever without stopping for ribs and a cocktail with Larry when he was over there. Um, I know he's no longer the bartender there, but Larry, shout out to you, man. You're awesome. Um, Gale Street's awesome. Yeah, Georgia's a great operation. It's uh, yeah. There's not a lot of restaurants in Chicago that have, I think, kind of that Chicago grid or Chicago edge, but then the touch the of class. It's just, bar, yeah, it's the best know, combination. It's beautiful. And I actually didn't know for a pretty long time that it was modeled after a train car, which now when you walk in, it's so obvious. But <laughs> yeah, that light bulb moment, right? Yeah, um, they're great. Pasta de Arte, I love. And I used to work for... You know, there's a family, so there's Pasta de Arte, Sapori, and um, Pescatori Palace. It's all cousins own it. And so Pasta de Arte, I mean, for a good handmade Italian, you know, they make their own pasta. The vodka sauce is phenom. You've, you've been there. I'm I have. Sure. I have. Uh, one of my favorite Italian places, in addition to Trattoria Peretta, is Legno, actually, oh, on Central. Legno. Uh, yeah. So in full disclosure, I have to say my wife is a bartender there. Is she um, really? She is. And it's really funny. Yes. This is kind of one of those pandemic origin stories. Um, you know, we continued to go out. We don't have kids. Uh, mm-hmm. So in most nights, it's easier to either go out or order out than it is for either of us to try to cook something. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we continued to go to Legno. We support them. They're right down the street from us on Central. Love and you know, they started seeing so much of us. They're like, hey, we need some help behind the bar. And my wife, Amanda, she's a sweetheart. She will talk to pretty much anybody. They're like, hey, you know all of the regulars here anyway. Why don't you just start working behind the bar? That's uh, awesome. So my wife Does Robbie Malinowski that. still work there? No, so Robbie's down at Foundation now. Oh, um, that's another great one. Foundation I is great. To, I, was I still say. have a Volkswagen, but I used to get mine serviced there, and I'd go across the street to Foundation. Foundation is awesome. They have the best Angus, uh, or I don't even know if they're Angus, but they're steak sliders to die for. Oh, my God. My stomach is growling. This interview is going to kill my <laughs> diet. <laughs> yeah, I know where I'm going after this. Uh, yeah, so Legno, we did my son's baptism there. They've got, you know, those, um, I don't know if it's prosciutto or bacon wrap dates, but this was before my husband was a vegetarian, and we would go sit at the bar and eat there, and, you know, just the, the vibe is super chill. And again, you know, having lived in the neighborhood my whole life, it was like to have somewhere cool like that. Yeah. They, uh, you know, good cocktails, you know. I, I love a good, you know, mixologist-made cocktail. Definitely. I want the Luxardo cherries. I want some sort of sprig of something green in my drink. I don't want to just sit there and have like a shot of Jameson. I want something classy. For the most part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Till the end of the night. No, yeah. but you're right. And the ambience is great. Um, you know, they've got the dining room. They've got the bar area. They did a really nice job. It's really clean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A really, really solid place. So my final, like, finale for if I were to pick, you know, what everyone needs to do, Kingston Reflexology is right next door to Community Tavern. So here's what you do. 
you go there, you get a, you start a community, you get one cocktail and an appetizer, something light because you're going for a massage, oysters, you know, oysters and one of their craft cocktails. Go next door, get your massage, and then come back for dinner. It is like floating on air. It is the most euphoric date night you can ever have. And it's affordable, and it's right in Jefferson Park, or it's actually technically Portage Park because it's you know a little bit further up Milwaukee. But you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw one more out there: is the Lamb Shank at Holla Inn is like the best lamb shank I've ever had. Holla Inn is fantastic. That is my Mediterranean go-to. So and uh, good. You know, it's actually kind of funny. I had made a post I think about it on the group, and somebody called out that they've got phenomenal fries. And really? I, I would have never guessed it. And then I tried them, and their fries are awesome. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess they I don't do anything bad. That. I wouldn't have either, but yeah, they were very good. That's awesome. So you're like one of the biggest proponents of the neighborhood. And the reason I said like that I had you on here is because you're the face behind the Northwest Side is open for business. And everyone loves you, Dan. I don't know if you know this, but like you've really brought together a community that needed to be brought together. There was some of that, you know, division of thought process and, you know, old versus new and, you know, density versus, you know, parking. Um, I think you're like that perfect middleman, you know, voice for the, the neighborhood and people really have found a positive place to be. And I just want to thank you for that. And I want to talk now about, you know, your business because you are, you know, a business in the Northwest side. So I actually, and I'm not going to over talk you, but I am going to say you, you saved my life last year. So last year was the pandemic year. A lot of small businesses were struggling and you happened to mention that you're, you know, first financial credit union offered small business loans. So like PPP loans, and when you hear the word loan, you think, oh, this is a debt. I don't like it. Get away. But you explained it to me and, re- and made it in a way that I could understand that this is a fully forgivable stimulus provided by the government, government for people that are small business owners. And it was such a revelation that I actually had you come speak to Keller Williams Success Realty. And I think you probably grabbed about 10 of our realtors and helped them and we were talking about you for months. <laughs> so thank you. So tell us about First Financial Credit Union, what you do there. And, you know, I know that you did that, but there's so much more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm the vice president of member experience at First Financial Credit Union. Uh, you probably have not heard of us, uh, for most of you listening. We're a relatively small uh, credit union on the northern tip of the city, uh, actually going into like where Skokie meets Niles at around mm-hmm. 2 and Central. Uh, we we think about ourselves as a 85-year-old startup, um, if you will. So we've been around <laughs> since 1936. Oh, my God. We actually started as the official employees credit union for the Teletype Corporation, um, which ended up being part of what is AT&T today. Uh, our, our branch in our headquarters is actually located right across um, from the Village Crossings Mall, which is now, um, or that's where the Teletype headquarters was. So our branch was right across the street. I think we've been there. Uh, we started obviously in the in the facility. We've got we've had a branch there since the 70s. Uh, we have a, a second location on the north side of the city at uh, Peterson and Lincoln. So okay. uh, just a little east of Peterson. Uh, First Financial Credit Union. We're uh, as I had said, about 85 years old, we serve about 13,000 members throughout the Chicagoland area. And I, I think what I'm going to do is spend a little bit of time talking about what a credit union is, um, because I, I've found in my discussions, I've, I've been in banking my entire life. Um, I've 
only recently in the last year and a half or so joined uh, the credit union industry. So Mm -hmm. I've always worked for traditional commercial banks. And uh, the credit union industry, most people don't uh, realize, is a lot like the Bailey Brothers uh, building and loan. I was literally thinking that when you were explaining it to me before we recorded it, because I just watched It's a Wonderful Life like two nights ago. I figured that that was the most relevant and timely uh, uh, comparison I could make, but it really is that way. So credit unions um, operate solely to serve their members. And their members are the individuals who choose to bank with them. Um, We're not beholden to outside shareholders. We're not, you know, some large multinational uh, corporation that exists solely to eke out profits um, Mm -hmm. for shareholders that, you know, nobody ever knows or nobody sees. Um, What we do is when you join a credit union, you actually get a certain set of rights and privileges. One of them is um, actually participating either on the uh, credit union's board of directors, so having a very uh, hands-on approach to kind of guiding the strategy of the credit union, Um, or if you choose not to uh, participate as a board member, you actually have the ability to vote on who the board of directors is. Oh, that's so cool. it's entirely kind of democratically controlled. It's like right up my alley. I'm like, I want to get involved and I'm not even a member. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think, and that's really why I wanted to talk about it because that's, as I've gotten into the credit union industry and I've learned about them, so as I mentioned, they're nonprofit organizations as, as uh, themselves. That's really why I got into banking. I mean, I've kind of always had this um preconceived notion that if you help people, you're going to get what you want out of life. I think Zig Ziglar or someone had, you know, a quote that that probably summarizes it better than me. Um, But if you're helping people, it's really hard to have a bad day. Um, I love that. And so I've always kind of tried to take that approach. But, uh, you know, when with the credit union, what we do is we're beholden to the individuals that bank with us. So like I said, we've got about 13,000 members. Uh, The credit union system is different than traditional banking. Uh, They're not, uh, it's not entirely set up so that we compete with other credit unions. We actually have things, uh, something known as a field of membership. So it's kind of like a a defined play area uh, Mm -hmm. where we can try to go out and solicit and try to bring in new members to, to take on our products and services. Uh, So you guys respect each other's turf, basically. So you should, yes, in theory. (laughs) um, You know, uh, I think in anything where there's money, there's obviously greed and then uh, everything that comes along with that. So not to say that we're not uh, in a a little bit of a David versus Goliath uh, situation in the credit union world either. There are some uh, really quickly growing credit unions that are getting Mm -hmm. very large. Um, But at the same time, they're very big proponents for our industry, too. Uh, You know, traditional banks have very, very been closely been watching credit unions. Credit unions are continuing to grow, uh, not only by members, but just by deposits. So, you know, more and more people are opening their eyes up to a credit union. They're mm-hmm. sick of getting treated like an account number. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, okay, you're Mr. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, here's your $5. See you never, hopefully. Right. Um, and, and you miss, you know, one thing and all of a sudden you get the $34 overdraft fee, you know. Right. Everyone knows what bank I'm talking about, the $34, <laughs> you jerks. And and those things exist. And I'm not going to say that we don't have them, but I think when you are a member of the credit union or of any credit union, really, um, you understand that not only your participation is, you know, driven um, and kind of at your uh, control, but you're also creating jobs. So we employ, Mm -hmm. you know, 32 people, uh, like I said, relatively small, but growing. And, uh, 
you know, as we continue to grow, it's that trust that our members place in us to make sure we're making the right decisions. Yeah. Um, so in my role, I oversee our marketing, our IT, and then our branches and our contact center. So do a little so bit of everything. You're a few hats. Yeah. Uh, wearing a few hats. So like I said, I got a huge head. Um, so thankfully. <laughs> you, you need three hats. <laughs> yeah. Just to cover it. Uh, but so, yeah, every day is a little different, but it, it really gives me the opportunity to kind of dig in with our employees, with our members. Um, and just really stay on the pulse of it all. Because, yeah. you know, being very small and being a, a small organization is can be an advantage or a disadvantage. Yeah, um, I was thinking, you know, when you're talking about the Goliaths of the world, you know, those type of companies, they get so bureaucratic and there's so many hoops you have to jump through to get anything done or anything changed. So like when something, I know there's a meme going around like that these are now precedented times, but when unprecedented times like COVID hits, they're not ready to respond, whereas you guys have, like you said, a staff of a couple dozen, you can make quick changes. So, you know, talk about that a little bit, how working with a small staff allows you to pivot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so, you know, like I said, one of the biggest pieces of my role is member experience that I'm always listening. Um, I'm, I'm listening to what our members want. I'm listening to the, the greater areas we serve, and we're listening to the market. Uh, you know, we talked about our involvement. I was able to uh, work with you to help you and uh, some of the other KW Realtors mm-hmm. get uh, PPP loans. We it's actually huge. weren't even sure that we were going to do PPP loans up until about seven days before we rolled out the program. It's incredible. Uh, and that's not, that's you know, not possible with a Goliath. So it's not it's not that we were indecisive. Uh, the, Previously, the SBA had made it a little bit more difficult for institutions to jump on. And, you know, there's a, a set of criteria you have to pass. And we, we took the steps to do that. We just didn't think it, um, in the first two rounds it was the right opportunity for us to take on. Uh, by the time round three came along, uh, came around, um, the SBA really kind of greatly streamlined the process. We were able to jump in. Happy to share that we helped. Uh, yeah, probably at least I want to say fifty individual businesses for which you know for an organization of our size we That's had amazing. three or four people working on these applications pretty much night and day making and sure we crossed them doors through. open yeah you know it was great we uh, we doled out uh, it ended up being a little over half a million dollars which doesn't sound like a lot but when you think about the individual impact to the small businesses and to the individual you know contractors um, it, it was meaningful to us and it was something that at the end of the yeah. day uh, it was one of the biggest uh, wins for an organization and I think that's what it comes down to so you're obviously this huge proponent of small businesses and then to have and I, I love when your work and your your life values align and th- that seems to be the case for you like you you small business guy, that's helping small businesses for a living. Like how fulfilled are you? How happy does that make you to live your life every day? You know, it is great. Um, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life and, uh, you know, doing a lot of different things for the credit union. Sometimes there's, you know, levels of stress, but it it is great. Mm -hmm. I think aside from uh, my wife wishing I'd get off my cell phone a little bit more, (laughs) uh, life is fantastic. Uh, very happy. How many members do you have in the credit union? Uh, so we're at about 13,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, 13,000 and growing. Um, you know, a, a common way that uh, financial institutions are measured is asset size. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last four years, we've nearly doubled. Wow. Um, we've grown from about 69 million in assets to uh, we'll probably be about 120 okay. when the year ends. And we've got stated plans to, to continue to grow just because we know if we grow our institution, we can grow the good that we can deliver. So... That being said, just so I understand, because I know that's part of it, is people don't understand credit unions. So when you are 
extending these lines of credit, are you then selling them off as commodities or is this held in-house and you just have to keep rebuilding your assets with other people joining the credit union? Yes. So for the most part, um, what we do is when we make loans out to individual members, um, we keep those loans on our books. We gotcha. service them. They you know, are performing assets for the life of the loan. Um, we feel that that's the best approach. That mm-hmm. is the way where we can make the most impact and ensure that our members aren't being subject to some sort of secondary or tertiary market condition yeah. um, that you know we we don't want for them. You know these are individuals that we see in our branches every day. They're not just auto loans. You know they're our neighbors, they're our friends. We have conversations with them very often, and uh, you know know their families and things like that. So. We do do some, you know, participatory things, but those are usually um, for non-members. So okay. we use those as vehicles just to, you know, uh, lever up profit when we, sure. you know, when we need to. But uh, for our members, no, we we keep everything in house. Okay. So what are would you say are like the top three vehicles that people come to you for? So I know we talked briefly about, you know, before you know getting on the podcast, but we talked a little bit about like home renovations, things like that. It's like. What would people come to a credit union for that they wouldn't go to a traditional bank? So one of the reasons why you'd want to go to a credit union um, is you want to, you know, you you love local. You want to ensure that your voice is heard and that you have representation in your financial uh, institution and not just some number. Um, For us, uh, we specifically take uh, more care to understand our members. And so uh, kind of a long-winded way of saying we offer a lot of the same products as a traditional bank would, you know, a, a home equity line of credit for a second mortgage, you mm-hmm. know, personal loans, things of all that nature. But I think it's the attention to detail and the level of care we take um, because we know that that decision isn't just a loan application decision. Mm-hmm. This is, do you have your dream home or not? Do Love you that. have a car that can get you to work or not? Um, and so because we're smaller, we're able to, um, you know, get a little bit deeper with our members and take that level of care because you still have to make money at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not loaning out money and if we're not loaning out money at competitive interest rates, uh, we're not making the credit union money. We're not doing what we should be with our members' money. So I think that would be the first thing. Um, the second thing is uh, a compo- uh, excuse me, a competitive set of uh, you know deposit products. So credit unions, because what we do is return all a majority of our profits back to our members. Um, it's in a process known as a dividend. So it's much like a, a oh, dividend yeah. of, of a traditional uh, share of a stock that you would get today. Um, what we do is, you know, as every financial institution, we grow deposits. So we offer um, competitive interest rates. We bring in those deposits. Then we use the deposits to lend out to other individuals. And that's kind of how we mm-hmm. create that um, you know, money creation cycle. So to attract those new deposits, because we don't have you know, a $10 million marketing budget so I could put billboards everywhere, um, we lead with good products. So we have checking accounts that pay up to 3.5% interest. Uh, that's huge right now. Yeah. So we've got um, some, some very high uh, yielding accounts. And uh, really, the all the bells and whistles that a large institution would have, I think we're very very fortunate. Um, it, it's kind of a cool story. I get to work with a good friend of mine. Um, our CEO uh, is similar in age to me. We started working together about 15 years ago um, as a part-timers, uh, tellers at a bank just for beer buddy in college. That's so funny. And we've you know kind of stayed in touch. And as our, our careers uh, you know blossomed, he took over as CEO of the credit union about five years ago, I want to say. And I've followed them from afar while I was working elsewhere, and I've started to come closer and then ultimately work here. Um, We've made the significant investments in technology that a lot of financial institutions our size haven't been able to do. Um, There's a lot of different reasons why credit unions being 
nonprofit organizations and having volunteer boards play a role into that. You've got to have a really good relationship with your board of directors for them to trust that the decisions you're making are in the best interest of the credit union. So um, he's done a phenomenal job at that. Our board is uh, incredibly supportive of us and have allowed us to make those investments uh, that pretty much are going to, uh, you know, ensure that we're going to be here for as long as we want to be. Yeah, I uh, think a lot of times people don't realize how important technology is, like how quickly our attention spans are spent, you know, with the, the world that we live in now and Facebook and, you know, TikTok and all of that. You don't have time to necessarily pick up the phone and call your local Dan Buttersworth as much as, you know, you want to. It's got to be like on the fly. And so, the fact that you are able to articulate that need to your board in a, a manner that they understand that this is a income generating asset. So like you're you're not just, you know, spending it to look flashy, like you're gonna get more clients that way. No one has time for, you know, phone calls and emails anymore. We we really just need the app so that we can go on with our day. Absolutely. I mean, if you set that up against the context of what happened in the past, you know, 24 months, had we not made those investments, had we not had things like, you know, mobile check deposit, which is okay, whatever, most people have it. But had we not made that uh, investment, we would have then been subjecting, you know, more of our members to having to go out to travel into the branches, subjecting our employees to having to have more of these interactions. Um, So, you know, when you sit back and look at it at that level, it it really was one of the reasons um, investments like that why we were able to actually grow and thrive um, yeah. at a time where a lot of other businesses kind of had to just stay the course, you know, uh, yeah. you know we're not going to push ahead because we're not sure what's going to happen, but we, we were well situated and in a good place to do that. That's awesome. So anything, you know, up and coming, you know, with you personally or professionally um, that we should talk about is the, the credit union doing anything, you know, events or anything to get, you know, the community together, or the, the Northwest side page. I, I think you got some events coming up. Yeah. So we're working with a few business owners on the Northwest side. I would be remiss if I didn't throw out a, a couple others. I'd set a personal goal that I was going to throw out some names. Please. Um, that's what we're here for. It's John Bedell uh, from North Branch Fried Chicken. Uh, was absolutely. Oh, I think so one bad. of the best restaurants we have. He's a, a phenomenal guy. Um, him and his wife, they've got a great story. I guess I'll just share a little bit about it. Uh, they opened up in the pandemic. So uh, John was an executive chef um, in the hospitality industry. Obviously, we know how that goes. Uh, John decided, hey, you know what? If uh, I'm going to go out and make it on my own. And he uh, he started North Branch Fried Chicken. I've they, heard nothing but good things and obviously tasted it. It's like they, People just love them. Everything there is good. I've not had a bad thing. It's not just fried chicken, too. So that's the thing. Um, if you're kind of scared off, oh, you know, I know that the diets are starting January 1st. Get in there now. <laughs> um, they're open all the way through. Um, but even after January 1st, they do grilled chicken salads. They do a lot of different things, mm. uh, but they're great neighbors. I want to say at least weekly, you'll see a promotion that they're running that benefits a local school or a local organization. Oh, wow. um, it, it quite fr- like very frequently on a Wednesday or you know a Tuesday night, grab food and 10% will go to you know friends of whomever. And uh, I love that. You know, it speaks I love so much. Giving volumes. back and communities giving back. It's just so great. Yeah, it it, it really is. And uh, you know they've been huge proponents of the page. So we're working on some ideas um, to actually work even more collaboratively with the chambers of commerce and just facilitate more of that conversation around small business. Um, you know, each individual small business can kind of be its own island. Uh, but if we you know provide those resources to connect them all, uh, there's a lot of things that can be learned from other small business owners. Um, there's you know audiences that people might not even have been avo- you know been aware that this opened. So if yeah. one business owner can collaborate with another, um, open up you know the, those avenues. I, I just think it's a great thing. So um, very excited on that. Uh, 
personally and professionally. A uh, couple other things that I can't speak about just yet, but some uh, some involvement in some local uh, neighborhood organizations that are taking place. We're going to be doing some very good things, um, partnered with a few people around the city just to make sure that we're focusing on uh, talking about the good things that are going on. We know there's a lot of bad things and, uh, you know, don't even want to get into it, but we want to make sure we're focusing on the good because yeah. there's a lot of good things happening in Chicago right now. And, uh, you know, if we don't talk about that and we're not shining the the focus, I think, yeah, it's just human nature to gravitate towards the negative. I think so, too. And especially, you know, the more you do it, the more your algorithm changes on social media and you just become this, you know, anger consuming monster. So I think what you're doing is so important because you've taken anger out of the mix. And the Northwest side is just I love that page and that's you know why you're here is like I just think it's such a positive light to see these communities coming together that they're doing little pop-ups and collaborations with each other and you know just anything that we can do to keep the the survival of this amazing neighborhood and you know this part of the city and to see us I don't want us to, you know, become oversaturated to the point where it's, you know, just like any other part of the city, because there is something special and residential about where we live. But to have access to theater and plant shops, I mean, that sounds so silly, but we didn't have that five years ago. And now I feel like every corner there's a really cool plant shop and cocktail lounge and restaurant. And I mean, people like you are just keeping those doors open. And so I just wanted to say thank you so much, because you not only help me personally, but you're helping my neighborhood and I just I'm so grateful to have you well you know it's uh I really love the neighborhood I love uh everybody living there I love the small businesses and so it's something I look forward to continue doing and just continuing to shine that spotlight perfect and so people want to get a hold of you what's the best fastest way uh fastest way is probably to check me out either on uh, LinkedIn uh, at Dan Butterworth or uh, Facebook Dan Butters Butterworth. Yeah. Uh, I, for the longest time, I had a, just half of my nickname or half of my last name, Butters. And then mm-hmm. you know, people were like, oh, I didn't realize that was you. So it's now you Dan really, Butterworth. You've so. confused me a few times. I was like, I think I said Buttersworth. No big deal. Butterworth. I've been called far worse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you came today. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you.